Now today we're, we're uh, continuing our series that we started last week called, Who is This Man? And it's a series on the life of Jesus. And um, remember after the disciples had that experience on the Sea of Galilee, when, when Jesus um, uh, calmed the storm, and uh, the Bible says in Luke 8.25, they said, Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the winds and the waves obey him. And so this miraculous event left the disciples wondering what kind of man was in their presence. How many of you know he wasn't an ordinary man? He was an extraordinary man. And last week we talked about that, that Jesus was no ordinary man. According to scriptures, Jesus was God in the flesh. Amen. In Colossians 2.9, it says, for in Christ, there is all of God in human body. And so Jesus was the embodiment of God in the flesh. And so, um, and we talked about that's important that we, we find out who Jesus is and we believe who Jesus is because who we believe Jesus is determines what we receive from Jesus. In fact, not only does it determine what we receive for Jesus, it also determines what we will do for Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and obviously what we believe about Jesus determines our eternity. So what we believe about Jesus is important. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? And as we continue our, our series today, we, I want to talk about the lessons from the early life of Jesus. And uh, I want to begin with a little history lesson. And if you read the first four books of the Bible, of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll learn a whole lot about Jesus. Because um, the four Gospels were written by four different authors describing in detail what they saw and witnessed concerning the life and time of Jesus. So I encourage you to read the Gospels and you'll learn a whole lot about him. And uh, now, although it's unknown exactly how old Jesus was at his at the time of his death, it's widely believed that he was 33 years of age. And uh, for Jesus to be consecrated as a priest by Jewish law, he had to be 30 years of age. And so we know that he had walked into that role. So we know he was at least 30. And it's believed that he spent about three years in ministry which leads to the estimation that he was about 33 years of age. Uh, but the life of Jesus can really be broken down into four stages. And the first stage is this, his birth to the beginning of his ministry, which covered approximately 30 years of his life. 30 years of his life was spent from birth to the beginning of his ministry. And, uh, you know, his this record can be found in the first three chapters of Matthew. And he begins in Matthew 1 at the, the genealogy of Jesus. And it says, a record of the genealogy of Christ Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And this stage and phase of Jesus' life goes on and concludes with Jesus getting baptized and, and affirmed by the Father in ministry. Remember in Matthew 3 and 16, it says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. So this was the first stage. The second stage was his Galilean ministry which covered about approximately three years of his life. And his Galilean ministry uh, begins, is covered in the next 12 chapters, about approximately 12 chapters of Matthew. And uh, it begins in Matthew 4, right after Jesus endured the temptation, remember, in the wilderness. And it says in Matthew 4, 17, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
If you ever wondered what was Jesus' first message, here it is right here. Here's his first message. He preached his first message. Repent for the kingdom of and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so now, uh, so for approximately three years, Jesus is ministering all over the Sea of Galilee and he's healing the sick. He's, uh, he's delivering the oppressed of the devil. He's teaching the scriptures. He's making disciples. And then he moves into the third stage of his life, which is his journey towards Jerusalem. And at a certain time in the life of Jesus, he knew it was now time to go to Jerusalem because there was an important part of his life that was happening there in Jerusalem. And the stage of his life uh, is covered in about uh, this stage is about six months of his life as he heads towards Jerusalem from doing his ministry tour around the Sea of Galilee. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So now Jesus is unfailing to his disciples his purpose for wanting to go to Jerusalem. And so he describes in prophetic detail what's going to happen. That he would be killed, and the third day he would be raised from the dead. He had a knowledge, he had an understanding of what was ahead of him. And the Bible says in Matthew 21, and one, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them ahead. He said, go into the village over there. And he said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. So just as Jesus prophesied, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem riding on a donkey, which is, brings us to the last stage and phase of the life of Jesus, which was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which happened in Jerusalem, which is approximately only two months of his life. But now the entire death, burial, and resurrection only occupied two months of his life, but it was a powerful time. The scripture says in Matthew 21, 10, the entire city was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, it's important to know, although this stage only occupied two months of his life, as you read the Gospels, almost half of all the material in the Gospels is about this last stage of his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, there is more written about the last two months of Jesus' life than any other stage. Why? Because it was so important. And so you can, you can, a snapshot of Jesus' life, his birth to the beginning of his ministry is 30 years. His Galilean ministry is about three years. His journey towards Jerusalem is about six months. His death, burial, and resurrections is about another two months. So altogether, Jesus lived to be about 33 years of age. But now what's interesting is very little is recorded about his early childhood. In fact, after his birth, the next time you see him returning into the, the narrative of Scripture is whenever he's 12 years old. And it's at this stage that I want to focus on this morning for the rest of our time. Because I believe there's some valuable lessons we can learn about the early life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, 
is the only authentic biblical account of the childhood of Jesus. And this setting takes place, you know, whenever many families were caravanning and they were headed from Nazareth to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And so it's, it's during this journey that we see Jesus pop on the scene as a child and that we can see exactly who this, his early childhood was all about. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, it says, When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. And he was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. And every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Now notice in verse 42, it says, when Jesus was 12 years old. That's how we know how old he was there. Verse 44, because they assumed he was among other travelers, but when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at at his understanding and his answers. His parents did not know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all people. Now, there are four, four lessons we can learn from the life of Jesus in this passage of Scripture about the early life of Jesus. And the first one is this. We should all develop an appetite for spiritual growth. We should desire to grow with God. And Jesus models that for us. In, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 46, he says, it says three days later, you know, they lost him while they were journeying. They, they, you know, they say, have you seen Jesus? No, I thought he was with you. Have you seen Jesus? No, I thought he was with you. Has anybody seen Jesus? Nobody saw Jesus. They started looking for Jesus. It took him three days to find Jesus. The Bible says in verse 46, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So when Jesus' parents finally found him, after he was lost for three days, they didn't find him doing anything mischievous. He wasn't getting into trouble. But rather they found him sitting at the feet of the religious teachers asking questions about spiritual things. So we can see that even as a young age, Jesus possessed a hunger. He had an appetite to learn about spiritual things. Listen, people use different models to model their life after musicians and athletes and all this stuff. I think we should model our life after Jesus. That's the great model, amen? And at a time when he could have been just interested in playing with other children and hanging out with others, we find him sitting at the feet of the religious leaders, learning and growing yet an appetite to know more of God. Oh, that we would have a greater appetite to know more of God. The Bible says in Mark 1.22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Now, the question is, why did Jesus 
have teach with such amazement and authority? Well, I believe one reason is because he had an appetite to grow spiritually. Amen. Hey, listen, how many of you want to make a difference spiritually? You would like to make a, have an influence in the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, I think we need an appetite for learning more about God. Because the more we know, the more we'll grow. Amen. And the more we grow, the greater influence we'll have. And so the lesson for us here is, like Jesus, we should develop an appetite for God. We should desire to keep growing and never get satisfied with where we are spiritually. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 and 19, it says wisdom will make you stronger than the 10 most powerful leaders in your city. I don't know who's the 10 most powerful leaders in this city, but the Bible says when you get wisdom, when you learn the principles of God's word and you begin applying them to your life, you will be more powerful than 10 of the most powerful leaders in our city. Does that make sense to you? You know, listen, if you got major problems and things going on in your life, the 10 most powerful leaders in our city may or may not be able to help you. But I'll tell you, if somebody can bring that person to Jesus, they can find help. Amen. And so the second lesson we learn from the life of Jesus is we should all desire to fulfill God's purpose for our life. And, and we notice in verse 49, it says in the King James Version, and he said to them, to his parents, whenever they were seeking him, he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Come on, we need to be in business, in the father's business, Amen. And that's what Jesus said. I must be about my father's business. So at 12 years of age, Jesus was consumed with the agenda and purpose of his father. The father's business is what occupied his life. Amen. Question, what's consuming yours? What's consuming your life, your heart, your time, your attention? Is it his business or your business? If we want to be like Jesus, we need to let the Father's business consume us. Amen? You know, I, I got a call Saturday here while I was here studying, and it was a friend of mine that, that I've been known for a long time, comes to church here, and he called me up, and, and he said, man, I, I got to tell you a story. I said, well, man, let me hear it. It's like, man, I'm so fired up. He said, you know, he, he has a landscaping company and he was looking for somebody to help him uh, during the busy time during the summer. And he had a, a guy that he knew that's helped him before and he stops to, to, uh, to offer him a job. And so they start talking. He tells them about offering them a job. And the guy says, man, I don't know if I can do it this time because I don't know if you heard, but I, I just recently had a heart attack. And he's like, really? And he said, man, what, tell me what happened. He said, man, he said, I was at work and me and a friend, we were doing a, running an errand. And he said, I'm driving down the road. And he said, my, my, my chest started hurting. And he said, I passed out at the wheel. And my friend noticed that I passed out. And he reached over and put his foot on the brake and stopped the truck and put it in gear. And of course, we, you know, the, the car behind us starts honking and says, hey, what y'all doing? And he says, so my friend jumps out of the truck and says, hey, my friend just passed out. I don't know what to do. Well, the friend, the, the person behind him happened to be a doctor. And so the doctor jumps out of her car, jumps in his truck, pulls him out, starts giving him CPR until the medics get there and saves his life. 
So he says, man, that's a good story right there. But he said, hey, man, he said, God's got a bigger purpose for you than what you're doing right now. You know that, huh? You know, God spared your life for a reason. You know, it's not an accident that a doctor showed up behind you, huh? You know, it's not an accident that you didn't fall, you didn't pass out on the freeway and run head in with somebody. And he started ministering the love of Jesus to him. And he said, man, it felt so good to minister the love of God. Can y'all relate to that? Listen, when you're doing the will of the Father, there is absolutely nothing that will give you more fulfillment in your life than when you surrender to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. Amen. And that's what happened to my friend. Jesus explained in, in John 4, 34. Remember, they, the, the disciples went to town to get something to eat. Jesus stayed at the well and ministering to the lady at the well. And they came back and they said, you still here? You, you need something to eat. And, and Jesus says, oh, man, guys, listen. In John 4, 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You see, listen. You, you can let your life be consumed with fishing, with hunting, with, you know, golfing, with, with business, with work, with whatever. But you were created to do the will of God. You were created to do the purpose of God. See, you don't have to be kind and loving as you go out there in the world. But I tell you this, if you will choose to be kind and loving as you go out there and do what God said you should do, you will have greater fulfillment in your life than ever before. You can't be fulfilled doing things that are opposite of what God's will is for your life. If you get involved in doing the Father's business, I tell you, nobody will be able to wipe the smile off of your face. Amen? Because there's nothing, absolutely nothing in life that will give you greater joy and fulfillment than doing the will of God. You can be a church-going person and doing your own business, but when you start doing God's business, you're going to find a new level of living. Amen. Y'all believe that this morning? Now, a third lesson that we can learn from the early life of Jesus is we should try to recognize and learn to submit to authority. And that's, listen, Luke 2, 51. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, meaning his parents, and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Now listen, if anyone qualified to be exempt from the responsibility of obeying their authority, the, the authority of their parents, it must have been Jesus, the Son of God. Right? Hey, Joseph, Mary, I'm the son of God. What are you trying to tell me what to do? Well, the Bible says that Jesus obeyed them. He obeyed them. He never rebelled against his authority. He was obedient to his parents' authority and instruction. Hey, there's a lesson to learn here. See, and I think the bigger principle here is this. He recognized and submitted to authority in his life. I think that's the biggest principle. Should I just move on now? Or should we talk about this for a little bit? I think I'm going to talk about it a little bit. If you study the life of Jesus, you'll learn he was always aware of authority. He was always aware of authority, both natural and spiritual. And he submitted himself to authority. 
See, I think this is a principle that needs to be taught in church. I think we need to learn about authority and the need for us to submit. Are y'all hearing me out there? Say, even if it's squeezing you right now, say amen. Because listen, John 6.38, Jesus said, I didn't come from heaven to do what I want. I came to do what the Father wants me to do and what He sent me to do. You see, Jesus possessed a spirit of humility. He didn't have a prideful, rebellious spirit. And because of that, it caused Him to be able to follow through with the Father's will. And because he was able to follow through with the Father's will, he was able to rescue humanity. How many of you glad he submitted to authority? See, Jesus understood the importance of obeying authority that God has placed over us. And, and here's the, 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 another important life lesson. We would do good to recognize authority in our life. And by the way, we all have authority in our life. See, as soon as you get in your car and you go down the road and you see one of those lights, that's authority. And the Bible says that's authority placed there by God. There is authority everywhere you go. Most of the time, we don't even recognize it. And we just, we just bulldoze right over it like it don't even exist. But I think we would be doing good to recognize it and learning to submit to it. In Romans 13 and 1, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You see, I believe that our ability to submit to the levels of authority God has placed in our lives shows us that we have a spirit of humility or our lack of being able to submit to authority shows that we have a prideful spirit. I think it reveals either one. See, and I believe that anytime we resist authority, we rebel against authority, it's showing that we got some heart issues. And listen, I'm telling you, I have been surprised. I thought I was a humble man of God. But I found out I can have a prideful spirit, a rebellious spirit. Come on. How many of you believe that? That's probably true of me. How many of you believe that? Say amen. Now let's turn that around. Amen. How many of you believe you might have that in your life as well? Amen. And so I'm all, I'm, I'm shocked at myself. And I believe God places authority over our life to help us recognize it. Help us recognize these issues in our life. And you see, we can, we can just, we can just act as if there's no conviction and there's no problem, or we can choose to submit ourselves. And you know, I, I told this story, but I, whenever I was a youth pastor, I took a bunch of youth. We went to Astroworld whenever Astroworld was open. And then we went to John Osteen's church uh, for Sunday morning. We stayed over and we went to John Osteen's church. And here we are. And I'm the, I'm the youth pastor. I'm leading the youth. And we go, we in the church and we go to worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so the usher said, okay, uh, you, you got how many? Okay, right over here. Like, no, I, I want to go up there in front. They said, no, no, you need to go right. No, I want to go up there in the front. And so I'm almost in a, I'm in a tussle with the ushers. 
The ushers want me to go this way and I want to go that way. And I'm in the front of all the youth. I'm, I'm giving them a perfect example of a rebellious youth pastor. And so after it was all over, I'm just, I'm driving the bus back and the Holy Ghost says, what was that? What was that, Todd? In case you need some help, let me tell you, that was rebellion. That's what that was. Because those ushers had authority at that church. And you rebelled against it. And you got rebellion in your heart. Remember, King Saul lost his kingship because of rebellion. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than the offering of fat to rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. You know, I've been on both sides of the coin, as I just mentioned to you. But, you know, I remember in the all field, I remember the Lord dealing with me about, you know, we, we, you know, we would work hard when the boss was there. Follow the rest of that train of thought. <laughs> but when the boss wasn't there, we played. We were, when your eyes upon me, workers. And the Lord started dealing with me. And I, man, I happened to read this, this terrible passage of Scripture. In Ephesians 6 and 5, it says, Slaves, or you might say, workers, obey your earthly supervisors with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Oh, ow, ouch. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are Oh, man, that cut. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with your whole heart. And the Lord just, I was reading that one day, and the Lord just gave me this picture of being in the, at, the, at Camco, and, and my boss walks out, and, and, you know, we start kicking our heels and saying, the party's on. And the Lord said, doesn't that look familiar? Should you just work when he's there, or should you work all the time? And the Lord began to show me I was rebelling against the authority. And so I, I decided I was going to work whether he was there or not there. And I started getting all kind of ridicule from my coworkers. Say, man, what you trying to do? You trying to show us up or what? What? what you trying to be godly? Uh, yeah, kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, you know. <laughs> I'm working hard at it. If you don't get out of my face, I'm going to punch you out. I'm still working on it, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you know what? I found out that God rewarded me for that. Because I got a promotion and a pay raise. And God was just teaching me. I remember when Brother Francis asked me to do the nursery. And it's like, the nursery? I've been in ministry two years. I'm beyond the nursery. And I got an attitude towards Brother Francis because he wanted me to do the nursery. I found out later why, but I didn't know then. And rebellion wanted to jump up in my heart. And God again started convicting me. And man, I look back now. And by the way, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the nursery and I'm going to do it with joy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say, good job, Todd. Good job. But you know what? I realized that God wanted to teach me some things to prepare me for the next season of life he had for me. 
And if I wouldn't allow the authority that God placed in my life to deal with the pride and the rebellion in my life, I would have never got the chances that I have today to do what God has allowed me to do. It's a, it's a powerful lesson, folks. It's a powerful lesson. I think we should learn to submit to authority, wouldn't you? The fourth and final lesson we can learn from the life of Jesus is that we should strive to develop a balanced approach to life. And Jesus modeled that in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man or with people. Now, notice the four areas that Jesus grew in. First, he grew in favor. He grew in wisdom. So that's intellectual knowledge. As we said earlier, he never stopped growing. He kept, he kept learning. Even though he was the son of God, he never got to the place where he thought he knew it all. He always felt like I could learn some more. Amen. And then he just, he grew in stature, which means physical development. And again, Jesus never stopped developing physically. Now we know he probably grew in height and, you know, but, you know, I believe it means that he, he didn't neglect the temple of God. He didn't neglect his body. He took care of his body as well. Right? And then the Bible says he also grew in favor with God. Now that's spiritual growth. That's spiritual development. He grew in his relationship with the Father. He focused on his relationship with God. He never stopped growing, even though he was the Son of God. And then finally it says that he grew in favor with man. That's relational development. He got better at getting along with people. He got better at being more warm and more friendly and being able to walk in a room and make friends and, and have enough warm enough spirit that he didn't offend people by the things that he said and, and, and what he did. He, he grew in his relationships. That was pretty good. So Jesus, as you can tell, was very balanced in his approach to life. He didn't just grow in one area. And, and listen, Jesus should be the person again that we model our life after, right? Not a rock star, not an athlete, not, not somebody in Hollywood. Come on, are y'all out there? Jesus, if you're a Christian, Jesus should be your model, amen? And so Jesus grew. You know, whenever I told you about whenever I got into that uh, you know, built some authentic community and started going to that singles Bible study on Friday night at the Babbins house. And, and one of my friends was there. We take turns doing the Bible lesson. And my friend did this Bible lesson and he was talking about balance and he drew this picture and he showed everybody in the group the picture. And what he basically grew, uh, drew was this man. And he drew the top part of the man. That guy had some traps, man. He had some biceps, I'm telling you. He had some guns on him, man. His back just did this. You know, he had the, I mean, boy, he looked like, you know, Mr. Universe. And then from the waist on down, he had some little stick legs. And the guy was totally out of balance. He, he needed to work on his legs a little bit more than he worked on his biceps so he could be in balance. And so he used that as an illustration. I never forgot it. I never forgot it. But sometimes we can be living out of balance just like that stick figure man. 
We can be building one part of our life, and man, we got muscles galore. We got strength galore, but we're neglecting another part of our life, and we got stick legs. And so I think what the, the message here that Jesus is teaching us is we need to live a balanced life. And, and let me just kind of bring it home for a little bit. See, we can, sometimes we can invest all of our time and attention on succeeding financially, but totally neglect our family life. The good news is we got money. The bad news is our family don't know us. Our family's got stick legs. See, or we can be we can invest all our attention on our physical health. And man, we can be the epitome of health. But yet, man, our spiritual life stinks. We're neglecting our spiritual life. Are you all tracking with me? Or we can invest all our attention on one area of our life and totally forget about the other area. But how many of you know that? You know, growing in wisdom is important. It's important. How many of you know staying in shape is important? Don't, don't become, don't worship yourself, but it's important that you take care of the temple that God gave you. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Amen. Even if it hurts, listen, I believe they got room in there for some gumbo, but you got to take care of the temple. Right? And then, Man, I think everybody should grow in favor with God. I think it's most important, right? And I think we should, listen, as Christians, we should be able to get along with people. You know, listen, if you're a Christian and everywhere you go, you make enemies everywhere you go, I, I suspect there might be a problem. <laughs> How many of you, see, that's deep teaching, teaching right there, man. It's real deep, huh? I know, listen, I'm trying to keep it deep for you this morning, amen? But we should be growing in all four areas of our life. Wouldn't you agree with that? See, the life of Jesus in his early years is a tremendous role model. And just right there in these few verses of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, we can learn a lot. We can model our life after him. And I believe God will position us to do a lot better in life, amen? Would you do me a favor and just stand with me this morning? Let me ask you a question this morning. Just, just close your eyes for just a second. Just take a moment of contemplation. How balanced are you living your life? You know, just, just, just hammering in on that last point. Which area the Lord would want you to just like start doing some exercising? Maybe you got stick legs in one area of your life and the Lord's saying, hey, I, I, want, you to, I want you to shore up that area of your life. You're, you're getting out of balance. You're focusing all your time and attention here, but you're neglecting this. You know, Jesus knows exactly where we are. You know, we'll lie, to, we'll deceive ourselves. Others will tell us what we want to hear. But the Holy Spirit will tell us what we need to know. And the Holy Spirit is here today and is just saying, listen, I'm not trying to beat you up. I love you. And I want you to be healthy. And I want you to be strong. I want you to have a great life. And if you just submit to my authority, 
If you submit to my spiritual prodding, your life is going to be better off. Come on, how many of you agree with that this morning? Let's just take a moment. Let's just ask the Lord to help us this morning. And you just, I encourage you, you just do your own survey, your own self-test. And I encourage you to just start working on the weak, the area that you might be weak in and just say, Lord, I need to do better here. And let the Lord just work with you. And I promise you, God is not going to ask you to do something just for the sake of trying to get you to do something. He loves you. He's he's in favor of you succeeding. And He wants you to prosper. And He knows exactly what needs to change in our lives for us to get to that place where we can be more blessed than we've ever been before. Amen. Father, I pray today in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're releasing your spirit over this place. Thank you, Lord, for being a model, Lord, of what we're supposed to live our life like. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just helping us be able to figure that out. Help us, God, to focus and to shore up, Lord, any area of our life that needs to improve. God, we just thank you for that. Now listen, you know, the area that most of us neglect the most is our spiritual life. And you know, you might be here today and that might be the area that you've just never really shored up. In fact, Jesus said this in In Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, what good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Listen, you might be here today and you say, Todd, I'm in church, but I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I've ever surrendered and gave my life to Christ. I feel like I'm kind of flirting with it, but I know I need to go all in. Would you pray a special prayer? Because I want to be for sure that I'm a child of God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Just raise it, raise it high so I can see it. I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand. There you go. Sir, thank you very much for being so bold. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is your time. This is your opportunity to yield to the Lord and say, Lord, that's me. My brother, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip right out of the pew right here? Come meet me right here. Anybody else that raise your hand, just slip right out of the pew and just come right here. You see, it's important that you take a step. There you go. You're submitting. You're submitting. You're yielding. You're yielding. Come on, man. Just come on right down here. Listen, right down here. See, I found out you can go to church and not be submitted. You can go to church and not be yielded. But you got to yield. You got to submit. You got to give your all. You got to surrender to the Lord. Amen. Would you just do me a favor and pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so that my sins could be forgiven. Father, I'm sorry. I repent I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me Lord I want to be a Christian I want to live the Christian life would you give me the power and the strength to do that I pray in Jesus name amen and amen and amen listen if you'll just stay here for just a moment we have some pastors coming and they're going to minister to you amen Well, it's easy to teach this from the pulpit and hear it in church, amen? But now we got to go out there and live it. Y'all ready for that? 
Amen. Father, I pray the blessing and the favor of the Lord be over the house of and the people of God today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray. If not, God bless you. Have a blessed day. Be blessed as you go.